Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Some of you will be familiar with today's guest. Valenka Valenzuela joined me on Grief Out Loud not that long ago for episode 229 called Born for This Work. In that episode, we explored how her personal grief and connection to her ancestral lineage brought her to working with death and loss. In this episode, we pick up where we left off and delve into how she and her family celebrate Dia de los Muertos, a holiday also known as Day of the Dead. Dia de los Muertos is a two-day holiday to remember family members and friends who have died. It has origins throughout Mexico and parts of Latin America and is celebrated on November 1st and 2nd. The holiday is not a version of Halloween, but rather an enduring ritual celebrated since ancient times. This episode coincides with Dougie Center's own Dia de los Muertos celebration, which includes an ofrenda, or altar, with photos from our community members of the people in their lives who have died. Valenka's connection to the Dia de los Muertos holiday is long-standing and rooted in both her Mexican and Irish heritage. In our conversation, we talk about the history of Dia de los Muertos, Valenka's path to connecting more deeply to the holiday through her ancestral practices, and how people from all traditions can respectfully celebrate Dia de los Muertos by honoring and acknowledging its cultural origins. Hi, Valenka. Welcome back for part two of your time on Grief Out Loud. Hi, Jana. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited about this one. I know some listeners will be familiar with your story from the last time you were on the show, but for some folks who don't remember or that you are brand new to, can you catch us up on like, why are you here talking about Dia de los Muertos? And yeah. Mm. Yeah. So a few of the things I talked about in the last episode were that I was born on Dia de los Muertos. So I kind of always say that it was in the stars that I work with grief and death and ancestral healing. So it, it just feels like a really deep connection to me. And then also having a Mexican heritage feels like I'm I'm really connected to this holiday. It's it, I celebrate it every year. And so when Dougie Center wanted to really bring out um, Dia de los Muertos this year, we thought that it would be a good fit for me to talk about it. And I feel like in the last, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years, uh, especially since the release of the movie Coco, Dia de los Muertos is kind of a little bit more known in popular culture, or at least from some images of certain decorations and things like that. But I feel like the history of it is so important to better understand. Could you talk a little bit about what is the historical significance of this holiday? Yeah, I would agree with you too, that it really has come into kind of almost pop culture in the last five to 10 years. Um, because I've been celebrating it so much throughout my life, I've, I have I used to not be able to find any 
decorations every year. I'd be like, where can I find the decorations for my ofrenda? And I could never find them. And so um, now they're all over the place. <laughs> so yes, the history I think is incredibly important. Um, the roots of De Los Martos go back more than 3000 years to the rituals honoring the dead in pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. So the Aztecs and the Nahua people that are living in now what we call central Mexico held a cyclical view of the universe and saw death as an integral, ever-present part of life. So from thousands and thousands of years ago, this became a really important celebration for them. So in traditional rituals um, in Mexico, family members would provide food, and water, and tools to aid the deceased in their journey to their final resting place. And then this inspired the contemporary Day of the Dead practice where people leave food and offerings on their loved one's graves or set them on the ofrendas inside of their houses. And then similarly, in medieval Spain, they would bring wine and bread to the graves and also decorate them with flowers and candles. And then in the 16th century, the conquistadores brought this to Mexico when they came to the new world. And so I think the combination of both the Spanish celebrations and the indigenous people of, Mex of Mexican tradition um, combined together makes what we now know of as Day of the Dead. And just to clarify, Day of the Dead is a two-day holiday, right? It happens on November 1st and November 2nd. And one thing I didn't realize and I don't know if this is true across or just like the one article I found through Google telling me that, you know, November 1st is more reserved for welcoming back the spirits of babies and children who have died. And then November 2nd is for like everybody else. Is that yes. ring true? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so November 1st is more for the children's souls. Um, sometimes people say it starts like the eve of of October 31st into November 1st, which could really have a lot to do with why we um, have children getting candy and things on October 31st. And then, yes, and then November 2nd is the more of the adults and, and all of the other spirits. But I would say if anybody, if you choose one day to call Day of the Dead, it is November 2nd. Um, but however, there are definitely like traditions that honor November 1st as as part of it. I wonder if for some folks listening, they might be like, okay, so this is a, a ritual time of connecting with the spirits of people who have died. How does it become a holiday? I wonder if that's ever a disconnect for folks of like, how do we have something that's so grief related and death related and it becomes a holiday to celebrate? Like, why would anybody be celebrating? Mm, yeah, that's pretty great. I mean, I, I think... I think part of that is probably you'd have to look at the Mexican culture, right? And see how they really view death and grief and ancestral connection. And um, even the way that their graveyards look compared to like what in the United States, what our graveyards look like, they're brighter and um, have more color. I think that there is this connection between honoring and celebrating the death in a um, more celebratory and upbeat and kind of joyful way. And really that's an important thing to think about when it comes to Dia de los Muertos is that this isn't a sad holiday. This is really a fun holiday where you get to 
make food for the dead and you get to play music and you get to light candles and get beautiful marigold orange flowers to decorate with. So it it really is all about celebration and beauty and not so much about sadness. And then in that, the other stereotype, right, is that the one way to grieve is to be sad. And so (laughs) how, how does this holiday help support grief? Yeah, I think it can be really supportive to grief. And one of the ways would be with continuing bonds, right? I think this is a little bit of a foreign concept, maybe in the Western world, but it certainly is not foreign to a lot of cultures all over the all over the world, this idea of continuing bonds and having a relationship with the dead after they have died. And interacting, right? When you're interacting with the altar or the ofrenda, you're giving offerings to the dead people. And that just helps you to feel like their spirit really is alive and is with you. And I think that helps with this idea of continuing bonds that they're not fully gone and that you can still have a relationship of some sort. And so for you personally, what's your relationship been with Dia de los Muertos over the years and how has it been helpful for you? Yeah. Um, I feel incredibly connected to this holiday for many reasons. Um, it's it's interesting, actually, because I used to only celebrate it on Day of the Dead, you know, doing an ofrenda and doing an altar. And now I have an ancestor altar that I have up all year long. That's how important it has become to me. It has connected me a lot with my father who died when I was 16. It also helps me to connect with my maternal grandmother and her ancestors from Ireland. It provides not only the continuing bonds that I just talked about, but it also helps to give me guidance and validation. So the more that I connect with the ofrenda and the altar, and the more I connect with my ancestors, the more I can feel them guiding me, the more I get validation that I'm on the right path. I feel them all the time. And I've actually been to a few psychic mediums over the years. And I've had the mediums actually kind of validate my idea that the more that I work with my ancestors through the ofrenda and the altar, the more they are there with me. You know, this medium has actually said that, like, they feel so connected to you. Like my Spanish grandmother, Rosa, which is my father's, she was Spanish Mexican. So the last time I went to a medium, they said that she was really coming in and feeling connected to me. And I hadn't had that happen before. And I think it was because I was recently really working with her picture and talking to her and honoring her. I don't come from small families. I come from actually people who had really large families. Like, you know, my grandmother was one of like six or seven. My grandfather was one of six or seven. My dad was one of six or seven. But everyone had died by the time I came along. I mean, so my family is so small. It's just me, my mom, my uncle, and my brother. And that's literally it. And half those people live on the East Coast. So I don't see them all that often. Inside, I really have always yearned for a big family. I want that like big family gathering and those connections and the like, I go to so-and-so to talk about how things are going. And 
don't get me wrong. I know people who come from big families also say that there's like craziness <laughs> that happens too, right? All the dynamics. But I just like there's something inside that just I yearn for it so much. And so honestly, having an ofrenda and celebrating Dia de los Muertos helps me to not feel so alone and helps me to not feel like I like I only have the small little family that's alive now and that I actually have this whole other family that although they've died years ago are still very much with me and I can interact with them. Seems to speak to that craving so many of us have to have a sense of belonging. Oh, absolutely. So much belonging, so much connection. So Valenka, you just, as you were talking about that, like yearning, you have to be part of a big family and you recognize that like, and big families come with dynamics as they do. And when I think about holidays and I think about family, I think about dynamics, some of which can be complicated. And so I'm thinking, here's another holiday, which is all about family. And for folks who maybe had a really conflicted or ambivalent or abusive relationship with the person who has died, what, how do they interact with this holiday of like welcoming the spirits of those people who have died back into your realm? Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about this holiday is that you get to welcome in the spirits that you want to welcome in and that you can choose to not welcome in the spirits that you don't want to welcome in. You know, as much as I say that I crave a big family, I know that at least, well, no, it wouldn't just be my Mexican side. I, kind of both sides of my family were riddled with alcoholism and all kinds of issues, right? And so as much as I have this dream and this yearning, it's like, would I want to be in a room necessarily with like all those uncles or all those, some of the grandfathers that may have really not been the greatest? Um, so therefore, those folks don't have pictures on my altar. You know, I really do focus on the ones that I feel um, either I had a personal connection with, like my maternal grandmother and my maternal grandfather, my father. And then I also have a lot of my Irish lineage pictures on there because I have felt a connection to them really deeply that feels um, really positive. And then I've also have my uh, paternal grandmother's picture on there too, because I, from just stories that I know about her and my own kind of inner knowing about her is also a positive relationship. So you can really choose who you celebrate. It's up to you in in the bond and the connection and not so much like I'm opening a portal and all of them are going to pour back to me. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned your Irish heritage and it makes me think about the idea of cultural appropriation mm -hmm. and that this is a holiday that is really deeply rooted in the indigenous community in the area of Mexico, also influenced by Spanish tradition. What would you say to folks that feel like this holiday sounds like something I want to celebrate, but am I treading into, you know, an area that's not mine to be walking in? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, you know, it's so funny. I, for years, as I've been kind of going through my own spiritual awakening for the last four years, I really had this thing inside of me of like, well, do I follow my Mexican ancestors or do I follow my Irish ancestors and their spirituality, like, which one is it? Which one is it? I have to choose. And then the more I started digging 
into both of those lineages. I don't have to choose because they're actually in Celtic pagan holidays. There is a holiday called Samhain and that is on October 31st. So that is Halloween. And that is actually the basis of where Halloween came from. And Samhain is all about calling in the ancestors and honoring the dead and that the veil is thinning during that time, right? So Thousands of years ago, people from Ireland and different European areas, people from indigenous Americas, and I am certain people from Asia and maybe even Africa, different places on the continent, before they could even connect with each other, all around the same exact time of year, would honor their ancestors and say that the veil is thin at that point. So it's so interesting that this is something that is big in so many cultures. It's not just Mexico. And so one thing is, is that I really would encourage people to look at their own ancestral lineage and see what kind of ancestor practices, honoring of the dead practices they have so that they could see their own. But also, yes, like we mentioned in the beginning, this has become almost like a pop culture at this point, right? And so as somebody who comes from a Mexican heritage, I think it's beautiful to see. I think it's a holiday that should be celebrated and should be taken seriously and honored. And so I think as long as other folks, you know, let's say white American folks, as long as they are giving credit where credit is due and talking about the history of it and recognizing that it comes from Mexico and recognizing why we do it, then you're giving honor and respect to it. And so I, I, yeah, I don't want anybody to be too scared of that and be like, oh, I can't have anything to do with that because I'm not Mexican. I think as long as you're honoring the culture and the historical significance, then, then it's okay. So we've, we've given some details, you know, about the holiday and what, what's involved. I'm wondering, could you walk us through how you'll be spending Dia de los Muertos this year? Ooh, yes. So I am turning 44 this year on Dia de los Muertos, which four is my favorite number, by the way. So 44 feels pretty magical. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just feels like, like a really important magical year uh, in general. And so as I've gotten older, though, I barely care at all that it's my birthday and I care way more that it's the day of the dead. And so I will be doing, you know, what definitely the traditional things that I do every year, which I create. So I have my ancestor altar all year long, but that looks different, right? It, it's got different items on it. It's got different colors on it. And so I really, really spruce it up and bring in all kinds of that kind of iconic Dia de los Muertos stuff, right? The sugar skulls and the Katrina dolls and the marigold flowers and the orange and beautiful, bright Mexican like tapestries and all of these different things. So I will be rebuilding my altar with all of those things on it to honor uh, the day. And then I also usually get um, pan de muertos, which you can find in a lot of places. It's actually at new seasons these days too, which is kind of interesting. Um, which is our local Portland grocery store for <laughs> listeners who are outside the Oregon area. That's right. <laughs> um, and so bringing some of those traditional things in and, and I always 
include my children. They've been doing this with me for a really long time. Um, I mean, since they were little, they're now eight and 10. And so they're still kind of little, but, but they, they get it. They know that, oh, okay, we're going to go cut some pan de muertos and we're going to bring it over to the altar and we're going to bring some, some beverages over. And then whatever meal we usually cook that evening, um, we also will bring and put it on the altar and just have it be a really huge part of the day. It just feels so important. And I think the magic and the honoring of it is palpable. So listeners probably got like a pretty good overview and some in-depth information talking with you about your personal journey with Dia de los Muertos, the historical significance of the holiday, how it's become a bit more in our general knowledge. But if people are like, oh, I really want to learn more, what, where should they go? How can they learn more? Yeah, my answer might be a little simple, but you mentioned Coco in the beginning. I think um, that's actually a good start. I do feel like Disney has done a better job in the last, I don't know, 10 years or something about when they make a movie, they really do their research on the culture and make sure that they're really representing it correctly. I know they did that with Moana. So Coco is actually a really great representation of the Mexican culture and the Day of the Dead holiday. Um, And similarly, a lesser known movie is called Book of Life. And it's also a cartoon. Um, It's so sweet and so special. And it came out years and years before Coco. And a lot of people don't know about it. But I would also say watch that. National Geographic has done many like videos and articles on it over the years. And I feel like they've done a really good job. They often will go to a place called Patscuaro, which is the original place of Dia de los Muertos. It's right in the middle of Mexico. It's on a lake, Lago de Pascuaro. It's right in that central Mexico area that I mentioned earlier where the Aztecs were. And so they will document what it looks like, the the actual pictures and um, what the traditions and what the people of that area are doing. So the History Channel has had some of that too. So I just really encourage folks to to research it as much as they can and and learn more. Well, thanks, Valenka. Any last thing you want to share about Dia de los Muertos or your experience with it? For me, Dia de los Muertos is by far the most important holiday of the year. And it really has shifted the way I view my relationship to my dead people (laughs) and just dead people in general the really wanting to honor it and the ancestral healing that comes from that. I I mean, I can't tell you, I could do a whole other episode on just ancestral healing and what I've done, the things I've, the intergenerational traumas that I've stopped basically probably in the last five years or so of my life. And it's all because of this connection that I have with my ancestors. So I just want to leave people with that. That's like the more you can stay connected and honor your ancestors and your loved ones who have died either more recently or the ones you haven't even met before because they died generations ago. I just think it can bring so much peace and love and comfort and belonging into your life. Well, thanks again, Valenka, for 
being on Grief Out Loud for part two of your time. I'm sure you'll be back again, but really <laughs> grateful for all your time and your insight and your wisdom and, and happy early birthday. Thank you so much, Shanna. Thank you for having me here. And it was my pleasure to talk about one of my favorite things. Well, listeners, I thank you as well each and every time for being part of the community out there. If you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. It's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. That is also our website where you can find all the past episodes of Grief Out Loud, information about our local peer grief support group programming, as well as free activity sheets, tip sheets, and other resources for kids, teens, young adults, and family members as well. And I'm also excited to share with you that this podcast is sponsored in part by the Chester Stephan Endowment Fund. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.